0: Hello, and welcome to episode 151 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer stewart First, a warm welcome to Jennifer L. to The Modern Manager community. I invite you to come and join me in our members-only Slack group, where you can get your management questions answered by me and other members, share your advice, and get access to all kinds of additional resources to support your rockstar manager journey. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more. Now, today's guest is Brett Putter. Brett is an expert in company culture development who is consulted by companies and leaders worldwide to help design, develop, and build high-performing cultures. He is the CEO of CultureGene, a culture leadership software and services platform. And prior to founding CultureGene, Brett spent 16 years as the managing partner of a leading executive search firm based in London, working with startups and high-growth companies in the UK, Europe, and US. In 2008, he published his first book, Culture Dex Decoded, and his second book, Own Your Culture, How to Define, Embed, and Manage Your Company Culture, came out in September of 2020. Brett and I talk about how to hire and onboard a new team member who will contribute to and thrive within your organizational culture. We talk about whether there is such a thing as culture fit, and how to hire for values fit, and what to do if your company or team doesn't have explicit values, plus what onboarding is really all about. Now here's the conversation.
1: You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer stewart
0: Thank you so much for joining me today, Brett. I am super excited to talk to you about culture and hiring and onboarding. Because this is a topic that I feel like every manager struggles with, or at least has to deal with during their careers. How do I build my team and get the right people, both with their skill set, but also with their culture fit, which is, you know, a, a whole other piece of hiring. So um, let's get into it, righty?
2: Yeah, Mimi, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm ready to kick it off?
0: All right. So let's start with the basics. How do you think about or define? Culture for an organization, like when we say culture fit, like what are we really talking about with the culture side?
2: Okay, so I'm going to sort of give you a point of view that's slightly different. I think it's impossible to hire for culture fit.
0: All right, (laughs) let's start there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: And before we start there, culture essentially, my the, the definition of culture that I like is culture develops as a function of the learning that we generate over time. And so what starts to work and how our business learns about what's working is how we develop our culture. And so our culture is essentially the way we do things around here. And it's this random combination of good and bad habits, behaviors, norms, rituals, practices, principles, communication styles, processes, procedures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's essentially the way we do things around here. And that leads directly into my point about culture fit being impossible. Because when a leader says to, says to me, I hire for culture fit, I say, Can you please accurately describe your culture? When I ask them to do that, I get some sort of waffling about values, possibly, and a little bit of mission and vision if they spring to mind. But generally, nobody can tell me accurately what their culture is. And that's not unrealistic because the culture, your know, you know, company culture is this invisible, subconscious, intangible thing that happens mostly below the surface. And so now being able to define it, if you can't really define it, how can you hire for it? Because you're actually hiring essentially on your gut instinct and your gut instinct is this feeling that you have about someone, which is how we often end up hiring people like us because we feel we may like this person. So we want to hire them and they have, seems to be they have the right skills and experience, but actually they have the wrong values. So I believe that instead of hiring for culture fit, which is impossible, companies should hire for values fit because your values are more consistent over time and your values are, core fundamental DNA building blocks of your culture.
0: So light bulbs are going off in my head because I literally was sitting in a conversation earlier this week with a team that I'm working with that's hiring someone, having this exact conversation with them about a few of the, of the other interviewees saying, you know, the person's style doesn't seem like a good culture fit here. And I was thinking, what does that mean? Like, doesn't that just mean that like, they have a different uh, demeanor than you have? Like, how is that culture fit? And and we were kind of going through this exact same struggle of like, what is it that we're actually trying to assess here to see if they would work well with us? And demeanor and and in, like, gut intuition, if I like you, clearly is not the right measure. So let's talk more about about this idea of values fit. If that's what we're really saying is we want people who have the skills and the values, how do you figure out the value side?
2: So the value side is if a company does a good job of defining their values, they will have a they will have a set of values that essentially communicate the how we work, the how we behave, the how we 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 work together, the how we operate. That's the value. So, Wow, the customer is a, is a very clear idea around impressing the customer and how you impress the customer. Mark Zuckerberg break things fast. Can't remember exactly what that was. Now Facebook's old. It was about that. That was how we work to you know learn, uh, make mistakes, learn from them, break things, and 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 fix them quickly and move forward. And so, if if a company does a good job of the values, it means that they are clearly understood by the company, what the values mean. It means that you have something that is much more consistent because values are consistent over time. You can change them slightly over time, but generally what happens is the values we define now stay with us for much longer than the culture. If we have a high growth company, our culture is 10 people today. In three in three months, it's 20. Three months after that, it's 100. And your culture is essentially the way you work around here, the way we do things when you're 10 is much much different and radically different to when you're hundred. So you're hiring for a culture of 10 people or you're hiring for a culture of 100 where you actually can't define your culture anyway. So values for me are are these constant elements of your business that you can rely on to evaluate people against.
0: So that makes a lot of sense that you have to start with your values. And I'm imagining that there are some managers who are listening who are like, yeah, my company has values, but like, we don't, I don't even know what they are. We don't really like use them for anything. So for a team that either doesn't have strong values given to them from their company, or for a team that doesn't have any company values at all, how would you suggest figuring out what values your team does uphold or kind of wants to say like, these are our values that we are all going to hold ourselves accountable to, and we are going to hire for this kind of value fit? Is there a, a quick process that can kind of help articulate those?
2: It's it's not it's not often a quick and a quick process, but essentially what I do with my clients is I ask if it's a small company I include the leadership team, but actually if it's a big enough company, say thirty people or more, I exclude the leadership team deliberately, and I I bring in a group of eight people onto a workshop and I say tell me describe what your current values are, uh, describe what your aspirational values are, and then just, and then let's look at the impediments to achieving those. So there are different ways you can do this. I've got a list of a hundred different values and behaviors that people choose from both from a current perspective, both positive and negative. And then from an aspirational value point of view, I've got a hundred values and behaviors that people that the the companies choose from. And then we look at those two and we balance them out and we see where where are the overlaps, what's consistent, what's not consistent, how. So, you know, in your current values, one of your values may be, flexibility and one of your aspirational values is accountability that means that we need to build some accountability into your, into your organization because it's what your team want and so this is there isn't an easy fix here but you can you know you can you can ask people to write down how they feel about the company what's important to them why what winning means what the opposite is what's not acceptable and really pull this together and come up with five words or phrases four, five, six, five six but not, probably no more than six ideally values that that summarize in words where your business how your business wants to operate.
0: So first of all, it's fascinating to me that you would exclude the leadership because that is like the opposite of how everybody wants to ten, tends to want to work, right? Where like values get set by the top and they get, you know, published on the website and kind of just rolled out. So I love this idea of actually having it be a bottom-up process. And I feel like if you're whether you're working with one team or a whole company that involving other people in this and and letting it kind of bubble up is just such like a smart way about getting an accurate picture of your current values and then buy-in for your aspirational values. So I just want to say that that's like super cool. And then second on this idea of current and aspirational, it's an interesting articulation of a difference because I've definitely found that when I work with teams, that there is a tension between the values we currently have and the values that we want to have, or at least maybe we say we have them, but we aren't so good at following through on all of them all the time. So I like that you're, you're talking about just acknowledging that gap and being able to then work towards the aspirational values. So, okay, now we got our values and we want to now hire for values fit. What kind of questions are we asking or how do you assess that? I mean, it's hard enough to assess someone's skills and competencies, but how do you assess their values?
2: Maybe you've jumped a step.
0: Oh, okay. Let's go back. (laughs) Let's go back then. Tell me what stuff did I miss?
2: (laughs) And this is actually the mistake that most companies make. What, What happens with values is if you leave them up to their own devices, they are open to interpretation and they're often vague. And the problem with interpretation is if you allow human beings to do it, they interpret for themselves first. So to give you a really quick example, if I asked you or your listeners, what's, what does teamwork mean to you? You may say it's a group of people working together for a common goal, communicating effectively during that time. That's, there's no right or wrong answer. That is, what, that, is, that is what it could be. But in my company, that it might, the teamwork may mean that the team always comes first, is the way we look at it. So we're talking about exactly the same thing. Neither of us is right or wrong. But actually, I may end up making a different decision to you with exactly the same stimuli if we don't remove that ability to, to interpret what the values mean. So what I do with my clients is I make I, I take that same team that we use to define the values. I bring them in for another workshop. And I say, OK, what does this value mean to you? How do you behave? How is it complicated? currently implemented in the organization. How do you see it happening? Think about the verbs around this 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 phrase or this word. What, you know, what does it mean to you? And we get a list of definitions according to the eight people in the room. And you know, if you've got five values, you'll end up with anything, you know, 30 times five, 150 different definitions in total. And what we then do is we cluster these values. So under teamwork, we we we'll cluster certain, we'll cluster certain groups of or phrases, which is where we'll bring out our behaviors. So in the case of my company and the the value teamwork, we could have the team always comes first is one of the behaviors. This another one of the behaviors could be we listen to understand and then respond. Another behavior could be we offer our help whenever possible. And so now you've got this value teamwork and you've got these three different behaviors. And you take the behavior and you turn that into an interview question. So the value is teamwork. The behavior is the team always comes first. The interview question is, when last did you take one for the team and why? And if I ask you, when last did you take one for the team and why? You are about to tell me a story that would either be vivid or not or believable or not. And the more vivid it is, the more believable it is, the more you match my value of teamwork and the more you demonstrate this behavior. And the higher I will score you as on a ranking of 10 in comparison to the other candidates I ask this exact same question to.
0: This is so clear and also feels like very doable, which is so important because I know when I interview people and I'm listening to their answers. And it's like trying to like navigate and find what am I hearing what I'm looking for, right? That when you have a story like this, especially around something that is values oriented, you're totally right. Like people are going to tell you a story and it's either going to feel really authentic for them or it's not. And what a great way to get to know someone yeah, someone's values or kind of how someone shows up as a colleague by asking them those questions about how they've behaved in the past. I'm generally, I'm a big fan of learning from experience and learning from behavior interviews. So this fits really well into the kind of approach that I like anyways, but I love these questions that are values oriented. So what yeah, else do we need to know about the interview process before we switch to the onboarding process?
2: So the interview, the interview process, if you, so I've, I've probably interviewed a, Four or five thousand people in in my time, so I'm I could if I asked you that interview question, I could spend another half an hour digging into it, and I could ask you why did you take one for the team? Why did you feel you needed to? What is that a difficult boss? How do you normally deal with that boss in that circumstance? What do you communicate? How do you filter the information down to your team? How do you choose which information to filter? What's the impact on of that on your team? Do you know? Do your team know you're doing this? And I could go on and on and on and on and on. And actually, what that allows me to do is really to get deep down into the weeds of the answer of the question, which then brings out more vividness or less, depending. And that allows me, because if you ask each person exactly the same question, then you are able to compare these answers to directly. What I actually typically do is after doing a session like this, I will explain to the, the candidate that what we, what I've just done today. And the reason I do that is because I'm doing this for a client and I, and I'm demonstrating to them, this, to this candidate, how important the culture is to this company, that they will invest an hour and a half in some cases of mine and two other people's time to understand whether you are a good values fit for this company or not. And this is the, one of the important things to, before we get to onboarding is to go steps before onboarding. If you think about The interaction points that a candidate has with your company, your website, your social media, LinkedIn, et cetera, the job ad, your job description, your interview process, your onboarding, your probation period. Each candidate should experience your culture and your values at each one of those steps on the website, in the job ad, in the job description, on LinkedIn. If you use a recruiter, the recruiter should have cheat sheet to talk about your culture and your values of your company. So this is an ongoing process Whereby, you know, ideally they've looked at the values by the time the interview process comes and they go, actually, this is definitely for me. I love this, or hell no, I I, I don't feel comfortable and self-select out.
0: It's clear when you have, when it's your business or you're in a, a senior position and you can have influence over the full kind of scope of culture, right? So you can have, you can put culture on your website, you can, you know, have your hiring recruiter, you know, understand your culture. There's a whole bunch of things you can do, but when you're an individual manager on a team, and you've been, you know, allocated that you can hire someone, and you you don't get to have that full control over how culture gets conveyed to the candidates or kind of how culture shows up externally, I wonder if there's anything that you should do or anything that you've seen be helpful to either move the needle in the direction that is a kind of the full company wide direction or just anything that you can do with the candidates to just help them know the culture even when they can't necessarily see it so clearly on their website. The HR recruiter is not talking to them about it. And the only place that you really have where it can show up for you is in your interview process or in your job description maybe.
2: If you if you don't have any control of, of, of that process and you don't have control of where, where- you can ha- where and how you share your the values, assuming your company has values. Then I think it's it's got to be in the way you interview the person. If you are, if there are values and there's a story about the vision and the mission that's written down but not on the website, then if if you're allowed to, I would share that document. Because you want people to be to be prepared for this. You want people to understand that this is you know, this is a high performance culture. This is this is excellence only and Frankly, if you don't deliver excellence, we we will we will fire you. want people to know that, so that the right people come and join you, versus the wrong people. Or we're a family, and we're you know we care for one another, and we want to save the planet. And you know it's it's a those are different places, and you want to make sure the right people come into that place. So the the more you can get out, the better. If you can't control it, then I would spend a an hour and a half talking about the culture of the team what's important to you as a manager, how you work, what your morals are, what your values are, what your ethics are. I would, I would, you know, I would go into detail about that because that's where you connect, you, you, you build, there is a, an explicit agreement with the, with the employee that they sign. It's a contract, it's a salary bonus, et cetera, et cetera but there is an implicit agreement with the employee. And the implicit agreement is how we will work together. Will you respect me? Will I respect you? Will Will we have fun? Will we have a good time? Will we be honest? Will we be, be ethical? That's the implicit agreement. And the more you can make that explicit and the more you can communicate what is important to you during the interview process, the better.
0: Perfect. Okay, Now let's shift to onboarding. So you've decided this is the right person to join your team or your company. How do you spend the first, whatever it is, 30, 60, 90 days, a year, five years, orienting them to your values and your culture as they come in?
2: So the best onboarding programs I've seen have a communication cadence that's focused very much around building trust, building relationships very, very early on. So. Long before your first day at the company, you are in a situation where you've started to hear from more people. So for example, you sign the contract to get that all that all done. Minus 30, your direct line hiring manager sends you an email and says, Minus 30 days, says, Welcome, Mamie. Really looking forward to having you on board. Here's a couple of things from me. This is what we're working on at the moment. Minus 20 days. Every single person who interviewed was involved with you in the interview process sends you an email and says, Mamie, you're really super like really super charged to have you coming to join us. You know, if you need anything, drop me a line. Minus 15 days, the HR manager gives you access to the company manual, et cetera, et cetera, and gives you some, some of the basics. Minus 10 days, you get a video from your team. And that video is done on handheld or via Loom and it's cut together. And each person from your team says, hi, Mamie, Brett here. I'm going to be working with you on the marketing side, really looking forward to this with you. A little bit about me. I love coffee and I love whiskey and I've got two children under the age of three. Da, la, la 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 And you get these videos from your teammates. Then it's minus five, minus four. So, so depending on how it's structured, then on day zero, Yes, there is the typical onboarding onboarding. But actually, what you've done is you have you have done a very, very effective, you've built a very effective way of building trust and building connection and building the elements that you need for a really effective onboarding. Now, where we're in right now in this COVID environment is what I, I in my in my book, I use the Warren Buffett's phrase, you only know which leaders are swimming naked when the tide goes out? And I'm afraid there are a lot of leaders that have been swimming naked um, because the tide has gone out and nobody was working on defining their culture and documenting their culture. So now if I onboarded your company, how do I learn about your culture? I'm going to have to zoom in. I'm going to have to call people and ask because that osmosis is gone. So you've got to build this culture capability into the organization from the beginning, from that, from the early stages, you've got to document your culture and then you've got to show the stories of your culture in action, plus all the usual things around, around your your how you work, and you know, this is these this is your Dropbox folder, et cetera, et cetera. And then you have to be able to demonstrate the values in action, showing them stories, letting them read about the stories of people doing amazing amazing things in your company.
0: Yeah, this was so clear and makes so much sense to right? To start orienting someone before and to build that trust and that connection. And especially as you said, during COVID times where it is super hard. I've been part of a couple of teams that have been hiring during the pandemic and it's super awkward to have a colleague who you've never actually met in person. And, you know, I guess remote teams generally go through this all the time, but for teams that aren't used to it, it's, it's strange to have a new colleague show up on day one and have it be the first time that you're seeing their face over video. So, what a yeah. wonderful way to, to orient someone before they even show up on day one. I love that.
2: I think I think the other challenge with onboarding is most companies are, are trying to are, are thinking their focus is productivity, and productivity is only a secondary outcome of a good onboarding process. If you do onboarding right you put yourself into the person's shoes and you go, you know, this person was probably, they knew their culture. They knew the values of the company. They knew everything about the previous company they worked for. And they were maybe at the top of their game there. They now are at the bottom of the run. So if you, if you do this, well, you remove anxiety, you develop trust, you build relationships, you help the new person understand the invisible culture currents of the way we do things around here. Importantly, you are now you allow them to demonstrate their strengths really quickly and you create an environment of psychological safety. And if you do this and you treat onboarding as the first post-interview encounter with your company culture, then you are winning. And then you'll get productivity.
0: Amazing. Is there anything else about how you maintain? this good momentum that you have, like with the new hire, it's great because they don't know any better, right? So whatever you are doing with them, that you're setting their expectations. So if you can set it right from the start, that's really powerful. When you have your current team for whom maybe this stuff hasn't been as explicit, or you're, you are trying to kind of shift some things a little bit. Is there anything that you want to point out that's really useful to kind of continue to foster the those good values so that when you do have a new person come in, you aren't, you know, setting them up for kind of one set of expectations, which are really aspirations, because your team isn't so great at following through.
2: Well, this is this is where if your team have have bought in and are are living the culture, you won't really have to you won't really have to have this conversation because they understand that getting this person up to speed really quickly and bringing them into, into the culture and building you know developing these relationships and, and trust is so we've got two there are two choices choice one is we spend i don't know an hour a day each with this new person getting them on up to up to speed, or we start working on it before we share a lot of documentation that we've that we've prepared already, and then what we do is is really about developing trust, building relationships. It's not about explaining what, the, what, what you need to do in this organization. It's that's, that's actually already been documented. So when you join the team, the team have written down, this is how I work, this is how we work, this is, these are our processes, these are the documents you need to read. This is when we, these are a new onboard, a customer onboarding process. This is a creating a new customer file system, et cetera, et cetera. That's all documented already in, in the best remote and hybrid companies, the d- documentation wins out. And then people can work on being people, on, on, on that human element.
0: All right. Well, unfortunately, we have to end now. But that is, a, I think, a good, solid place for us to wrap up. So, as you know, this show is called The Modern Manager. So, Brett, can you tell us about a manager that you worked for and what made this person so fantastic?
2: Yeah. So, this is – this is um, I my first job was as, as a door-to-door salesman. And I did – it was uh, nighttime selling. And I wasn't a very good salesperson at all. And this, I don't know, he saw, saw something in me. But basically, he said to me, he said, look, you've got to learn to fail. And your, your inhibition towards knocking on the next door and slowing you down and knocking on the next door, just look at it as being one step closer to your next success. And if you don't succeed when the next person opens that door to talk to you, Think about what went wrong. Think about what went right. And then go to the next door and do it again and again and again and again. And he took me from being really a very, very poor salesman to being a very, very good salesman through his coaching, through his mentoring, and really through understanding my weak- – I didn't even understand my weaknesses at the time. But my, my, it turns out um, my weaknesses, I don't like criticism. So actually having a door closed in my face was a form of criticism which affected me, and he helped me overcome that. So so Gerhard is his name, uh, incredible, incredible manager, incredible guy. And yeah, he gave me the fundamental basics of the sales I have today.
0: Fantastic. And where can people learn more about you and pick up a copy of your book?
2: So my, um, I actually, I, my books are on Amazon, Own Your Culture and Culture Decks Decoded. The Audible book will be going up in a week of Own Your Culture, which I'm very excited about. People can reach me via my website, www.culturegene.ai. I'm on LinkedIn and I'm on Twitter, but actually I spend 25% of my time learning about company culture. So if any of your audience would like to have a chat with me about their culture and just shoot the breeze about company culture, they can contact me at brett at culturegene.ai. And I, I just love to talk and I love to listen and I love to learn.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all of your insights. Clearly, I learned something today many times around where, where I was jumping steps. So thank you so much for teaching me and for sharing your wisdom with my audience.
2: Mamie, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
0: I love that Brett slowed me down and made sure that I didn't miss any steps. Now, Brett has offered some incredible guest bonuses this week. You ready for these? First, a complimentary culture consultancy call to five community members who would like to discuss how to build or strengthen their culture or adapt to remote or hybrid work. Second, a 15% discount on the Culture Gene Culture Development Program. Third, a free PDF copy of his book, Culture Dex Decoded. And fourth, a free chapter from his new book, Own Your Culture. And this is chapter five titled, The Interview Process. Brett was incredibly generous to give these bonuses, so to get them, you need to become a member of the Modern Manager community. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join to sign up, and if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter, which is at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.